Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Start the music, Robbie. Let's go Chicago, Illinois, April 30th, 2009, NBA playoffs round one, game six. Bulls versus Celtics. Boston leads the series 3-2, and if they win, they're moving on. It's been a crazy series up to this point, but Game 6 takes the goddamn crazy cake. Chicago is down 5 with less than 2 minutes in the 4th quarter, so of course, naturally, center and outdoorsman Brad Miller spits out his Kodiak chewing tobacco and hits a 25-foot 3-pointer. What makes even more sense is on the next Bulls possession... Miller catches the ball again at the three-point line, ball fakes Kendrick Perkins, and drives all the way down the lane, seemingly in slow motion, to score the game-tying layup. Then, Paul Pierce, who once claimed to move his bowels inside his shorts during a playoff game, missed what could have been the game winner, and we're headed to overtime. Rob, make my voice deeper and make it echo a bit. I'm going to say it again. We're headed to overtime. Fast forward to 40 seconds left in that OT with the tie game hanging in the balance. The Celtics, of course, naturally go to Glenn Big Baby Davis. If you can believe this sentence, Big Baby drives on Kirk Heinrich, stops and takes a 12-foot fadeaway that he makes. The Bulls with Rookie of the Year Derrick Rose, of course, naturally go to a John Salmon's ISO. Salmon scores and ties the game 109-109. Then, Paul Pierce, who once said on national broadcast television that he defecated into his underpants while playing in an NBA game, missed what could have been the game winner, and we're headed to double overtime. 16 seconds left in the second overtime, and two Brad Miller free throws force Ray Allen into taking and making a deep three-pointer tie game. The Bulls call a timeout, then call a sideline out-of-bounds play that goes to... Brad Miller, who's near half court. He doesn't even get a pass off, and we're headed to triple overtime. 35 seconds left in that third OT, and the game is tied 123-123. Paul Pierce, who once confessed during an NBA Finals to crapping his pants during a different NBA Finals, drove the ball down the middle of the lane before finding Brian Scalabrini white open, I mean wide open in the corner. Why would NBA legend Paul Pierce look to score in a playoff triple overtime when he could just throw a lazy pass to Brian Scalabrini? A fine question, but a question for another day because Pierce does throw that pass. And of course, naturally, that pass is stolen by Bulls power forward Joakim Noah, who dribbles it all the way down the court, leaps and dunks it on Paul Pierce, who fouled Noah, who fouled out of the game on that play, and who once took a shit while wearing his basketball uniform, the Chicago Bulls kept the lead after that Noah Steele and Dunk, they would win that triple overtime thriller and tie the series 3-3. That was a crazy game. And this is First Back.
Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matters and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I am your host, Neil, a.k.a. Gotham Coach, the long-lost Gasol brother, the half-Filipino right-handed Tony Kukoc, coming to you live from the Shaquille O'Neal office depot, big and tall executive suite, desk chair. Today's episode of First Ballot could be sponsored by NBA Top Shots. They're video highlights, but you own them? The league, the league doesn't own them. I think you own them, perhaps. And then they're worth money because it's a special video that you own. Our guest, you cannot say your name or talk about yourself yet because I have not introduced you. So people don't know who you are unless they've looked at the title of the podcast episode or they saw the post on social media saying that you were the guest on today's show. But don't say who you are yet. But you are a big NBA Top Shot guy. Make me care about NBA Top Shots. I'm going to give you one minute. Give it your best shot. And remember, this is an ad space where I do ads, so be sure to promote NBA Top Shot. What if you could own one of a certain number of the 48th wedgie of the 2020-2021 NBA season? A fast break block by Anthony Simons with a quick cut to a Spalding sticking in the rim. Yeah, a Spalding. All commemorated for the rest of time on the blockchain. That's perfect. Thank you so much, podcast guest. NBA Top Shot, give me some money for this. The Joakim Noah steal and dunk during game six of the NBA playoffs, round one, 2009, between the Boston Whatevers and the Chicago Bulls is a great sports moment, but is it a first ballot Hall of Famer? That's what we have to decide here today, and here to do it with me is one of the forefathers of the online basketball community. I discovered him as the lead writer of the famous, the infamous Ball Don't Lie blog on Yahoo Sports. That's pre-Woj, pre-Shams, pre-Haynes, Yahoo Sports. He became part of the Basketball Jones podcast and TV show on The Score in Canada before taking his talents to Turner Sports, where he and those same castmates created The Starters, which was also a blog, podcast, and TV show that aired on NBA TV for six seasons. He and his team are now at The Athletic, where he produces and hosts the No Dunks Incorporated family of podcasts, including No Dunks, No Bunts, and No Breaks. Here he is. Ayo, it's Mr. Trey Kirby. Trey, thank you so much for being on the show. Neil, thanks for having me. I'm telling you, sometimes the best part about going on somebody's podcast is hearing the intro they come up for you. <laughs> There's no better way to get gassed up than you're hearing somebody legend. shout out your accomplishments. You're hey, a legend. I mean, if you're reaching back to the ball don't lie days, that's classic. <laughs> that to me is still my dream job, to run ball right. don't lie in 2008. <laughs> Somehow it worked out. Uh, and it was everything I thought it was going to be. Let, let me tell you, you've accomplished a ton. I can't wait to dive into your career. I, this, these end up being for me ways to meet people who have careers where I go. That's super interesting. And I'd love to mo know more about it. That's what I'm realizing. My booking has become that said, I will always, despite all the things you've accomplished, the longevity is crazy. And we're going to talk about all of this. I will always think of you as, as the ball don't lie guy. That's, that's how it was like. You at Ball Don't Lie and then like a couple Tumblr blogs like that was my foray into this online sort of basketball space that's sort of consumed my last 10, ten years, uh, which is, you know, not a great use of time. But I have enjoyed <laughs> every second of following you. I appreciate you be being on the show. Thank you so much. 
Uh, well, thank you, honestly, for having me. I still think of myself as the ball don't lie guy. When I really think back on it, my wife and I, on our very first date, she said, what do you really wish you could be doing? And I said, I wish I could tell basketball jokes on the internet. And I grinded as hard as I could to get to ball don't lie. And then I didn't know what to do after that. Luckily, uh, you know, just kept the hustlers grind set going, connecting with people, met the basketball Jones guys, and the rest is history. But see, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, and I do this to a lot of guests, but it's because this is the way I see you and your career as an outsider. Someone has nothing to do with your career. This is how I see it. You think of this as like, I got to go and record another podcast today or write another piece or whatever it is that you're doing. It's just you making the donuts. But for me, I just heard you go. My wife asked me what my dream was. I said this very specific thing that probably incorporates two passions in your life, comedy and basketball. And now you're doing it. You're doing that thing. You have achieved your dream. That sounds ridiculous and maybe a little silly, but it's the truth. You've achieved your dream. And I hope you and your wife, because you do this together, realize that you've put yourself in this place where you're doing the thing that you always wish you could do. That's amazing. Uh, well, thank you for saying that. And honestly, thank you for shouting out my wife, because you're exactly right. If you don't have a partner beside you who's going to encourage that, support right. that. I mean, I told her I wanted to tell basketball jokes right. on she, our first date. Right. And she said, OK, not only am I OK with that, I'll marry you and start a family about it. Uh, so I don't know. I trusted my instincts there. Thankfully, she did as well. <laughs> and here we are. She sounds like a real fool. No, um, I, I, I so I, I really appreciate you being on the show. Let's set the table right out of the gate. Your favorite sport. I know it. Your favorite team. I know it. Your favorite athlete of all time. I mean, it ain't a surprise. Basketball is my favorite sport and it's the Bulls. And I worship at the throne of the once and forever goat, Michael Jordan, of course. <laughs> You know the vibes? It's C-Red on this side at all times. Bulls are back. The Bulls are back. They've been more back in the recent history, but they're still back. And it's always it's always going to be the Bulls. Uh, on my block, there's only one Chicago hat flag hanging, but it's going to be hanging for all time. I love it. Uh, you, Trey Kirby is coming in super duper hot right now. I'm really appreciating this energy. All right. Very quickly... Do you believe that Michael Jordan is in the conversation for greatest of all time? Or like, do you acknowledge that as a basketball expert, as someone that's studied the game, been involved in the game and the media side for so long? Do you acknowledge that he's in this conversation or does kid Trey take over and go, no one will ever reach the, the, the lofty plateau that I put Jordan on? I 100% recognize that okay. there's a conversation. I was lucky enough to be in the arena for Game 7 2016, LeBron's crowning achievement with the yeah. Cavs. Yeah. And when it happened, I was like, I get the argument. <laughs> yeah, the argument yeah. is there. He's yeah. obviously added a title since then with the Lakers. But that feeling of going into a game and knowing your guy's coming out on top yeah. – you can't deny that LeBron has had that. I think Jordan has had that the absolute most uh, from as much as I've watched uh, in my life. But if you were born of this generation, it's hard to argue against yep. LeBron. It really is. I always thought when I would watch Kobe, I always thought his plan is to be the Emmett Smith of basketball. He won't be Walter Payton. 
and you're a Chicago guy. I think of Walter Payton as the best running back I've ever seen. He Emmett Smith wasn't Walter Payton, but he stuck around long enough and had enough yards and enough touchdowns, enough titles that he, you know, he could make the argument that Emmett Smith is the greatest uh, running back of all time. I always thought that's Kobe's path. He has to learn to shoot threes, extend his career, get the scoring record, and just on the 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 weight and size of his resume can be in the conversation. I feel like that's the path LeBron has actually taken and accomplished. I feel like he's going to force his way into this conversation just by the 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 sheer breadth of his resume. Yeah, he's going to have massive accomplishments from top to bottom. He's going to retire as a top scorer in NBA history and a top five assist guy in NBA history. It's crazy to think. He's going to be playing with his son at some point. I mean, we're talking about LeBron in his 20th season now. It feels like he's probably winding down, but it could be another five or six years, honestly. And the numbers will be unbelievable. Um, So the magnitude of LeBron's career is going to surpass basically any superstar that we've seen up to this point in history. And that's something that it's going to be tough to argue against. Um, that being said, we got to talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at some point, because he does have those massive long counting stat numbers, but he also was the number one guy, the best guy of a generation of his time. So yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's going to be tough to surpass MJ's peak regardless. That's the thing to me. Those six titles in eight years when he was the most famous guy on the planet. planet. Basketball was the biggest sport on the planet. That factors into it for me as well. Yeah, there's never been a play. I hated Michael Jordan because he was going to beat my team, and I knew that. There was like, do you remember – um, I, I don't know how old you are, but the, the gray in your beard and the gray in mine makes me feel like we're in the same general ballpark. Do you remember the like when Jordan and Magic Johnson were going to play one on one? For me, I, well, I was seven when the Bulls and the Lakers met in the finals. Oh, you're, so too, you're too young. Fuck you. I'm too young. Fuck you, yeah. you piece of shit. No. For me, it, for me, it was uh, going to be Shaq versus Hakeem Olajuwon. Right. right. Yes. The, before that, there were rumors that Co- that Kobe that uh, there were rumors that Jordan and Magic were going to play one on one, and I remember tearing up in my room because I remember thinking Magic will be um, exposed. Like there's no way he can beat him one on one, and then everyone will have every reason to say Magic's not the best player of all time. It's Michael Jordan, and that got me so bent out of shape that I hated Jordan and really didn't pay much. Ad- I didn't like watch his career because I hated him. Um, and, and I've never, it's very much, I was not a Bulls fan, but it was the exact opposite where I feared him and loathed him. And so he sort of has that greatest of all time mantle for me, but for all negative reasons, because I hated him, I loathed him, (laughs) I feared him. I never wanted to play him. I thought he was a jerk. I thought he was tearing away at magic Johnson's legacy. So, um, it's 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 funny how the shit that happens when you're a kid really ends up mattering. That there's that famous Lauren Michaels uh, quote where he talks about your favorite SNL cast is like the cast when you were in the eighth grade or like just going in high. And that's <laughs> the, to me, it's the same with basketball. Like whoever was like a monster when you were just becoming like an eighth or ninth grader, though you fear that guy forever. Like you fear that opponent or, or that guy that you loved is like you're going to be a poster in your room forever. I want to disagree with you, but I got a Bulls flag hanging out front of my house and I watch Adam Sandler current movies in 2022. So yeah, I think that's exactly right. Uh, It's interesting to hear it though, from a Lakers fan perspective, because you can understand, 
a Cavaliers fan hating Michael Jordan. You yes. can understand a Knicks fan right. hating Michael Jordan. But Jordan beat the Lakers in 91. Right. That was the tail end of Magic's yes. prime and that right. era of the Lakers. However, I guess Jordan was replacing Magic as yes. best player of the generation. Yes. So and uh, those different those few years between us make a huge world of difference. I, I, let's not talk. Can we not talk about the years in between us? Please. Hey, we're still we're both old. Don't worry about that. <laughs> no, you're. It, it, I, I do want to say in '91, even though that was clearly the downslope for that Lakers team, I believed they would be champions forever. And, and in a way, I still sort of believe that. So that it still got to me when when he won. Um, uh, do you have an affiliation Cubs Sox? Do you have a favorite baseball team? If I were choosing, I'm picking the Cubs over the Sox, but I've you been an Atlanta Braves fan since right. – <laughs> you're right. not going to believe this – since I was seven and eight years old. Is that of course, true? Yeah. Well, I got sick one year uh, during – it must have been second grade. I was home from school for a week, and they had Deion Sanders. So MJ is my number <laughs> one athlete, yeah. Deion number two. Uh. I hopped on the Braves bandwagon. Obviously, they were a great team in the 90s. They were easy to watch on TBS. So I stuck around, somehow ended up in Atlanta, you know, 30 years later, able to actually see a World Series. They weren't great at winning them in the 90s, but at least I was in the city when they got one in the 2020s. <laughs> That's amazing. Deion Sanders is a patron saint of this podcast in this um, Hall of Fame. He is the exact center of what I want this show to be about. Incredible, amazing athleticism and peak performance and just endlessly entertaining, funny uh, attitude, Deion Sanders. Thank you so much for existing. Um, I want you to know as we, I, I want to discuss the moment that we're going to talk about here for a second. But I also want you to know that uh, on a previous episode we had Ernest Wilkins and we discussed uh, Derrick Rose's bank shot. I don't remember the the game or the, the number, but it's that bank shot that he hit in the playoffs. I want you to know that that moment did not make the first belt Hall of Fame. How are you okay with that? Yeah, I was listening to the episode. I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, Ernest is a Bulls fan. I'm a Bulls fan. We're polling for our best moments since the Dynasty right, era. Right. They're big moments for us, but we're talking about like first and second round playoff series. Right, yeah. So the the ballot the ballot serves a, a purpose, you know? There's a yeah. high bar to actually get into right. the Hall of Fame, as yes. there should be. So the, the moment I'm pitching you, I won't be surprised if it's held out by the committee. Well, it's so much fun to, as I started diving into this, I was like, God damn, this is a really interesting case. Let's dive into it. And to do that, we have to go through our first ballot Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge our moment. The first credential, as always, well, as usual analytics numbers people love numbers they think it makes them uh, a, they have a deeper understanding of the sport when they read all these numbers so here's some of the numbers behind this moment joakim noah's box score almost 44 minutes this game four of nine from the field uh, four of nine from the field one of one from the free throw which is a big deal if you remember how gross his shot was free throws were uh 15 boards three assists one block and of course the one steal Derek Rose had 28 and eight and seven as a rookie. Ray Allen had 51 in almost 59 minutes, 18 of 32 from the field, nine of 18 from three point. That's amazing. Rondo, very Rondo game here. Eight points, nine boards and 19 assists. Your thoughts on those numbers. 
These are some incredible numbers, some incredible throwback names. I'm just sad you didn't get to the Bulls' leading scorer. Go ahead. John Salmons? <laughs> 35 points, probably 3,500 jab steps. John Salmons. <laughs> John Salmons. Let's get into it. John Salmons, 60 minutes. He played 60 minutes. He shot 13 of 22. Oh. That's 59% from the field. Five of nine from three, 55% from deep. 35 points, six boards, four assists. Is this John Salmons' best game ever? This must be peak Salmons. It's I would have to imagine. <laughs> I remember this series as a shootout between Ray Allen, who had 51 in this game, like yes. you're mentioning, and Ben Gordon. They were going yes. back and forth back with, and like, forth. monster shots. Ben Gordon, the original teardrop floater ahead of his time, <laughs> some would say. But, man, John Salmons pouring in 35. The key with John Salmons, you had to trade for him. If you traded right. for John Salmons <laughs> after the trade deadline, the guy was like third team all NBA caliber. <laughs> yeah. Unstoppable. I don't know if it was like switching conferences and they didn't have the scouting report or something, but he would get a ton of buckets. He came to the Bulls this uh, season during the trade deadline with my main man, Brad Miller, who also had a massive game in this game six. Huge 23 game. points, eight of nine shooting, two threes. He was celebrating like he's earned it. <laughs> And he definitely did. So this is a, an exciting time for the Bulls, for do, sure. Do you think – I have a bunch of follow-ups here. Do you think in the Sal Salmon's family line, at any point in history, do you believe they went by Salmon's, like the fish, and then someone just changed it because of dialect or because people kept saying Salmon's? Do you think his name – in the past, was Salmons, or do you think it's always been Salmons? <laughs> I think there must have been a change. I feel like point. there had to have been a change. There, there, way back in the day, there was uh, the original John Salmons. <laughs> At some point, it got a more of an L. Yes, yeah. I, 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 do, I find this John's. I really appreciate you immediately going to John Salmons in this in this analytics category. I do think that this having the very real, very serious chance of being John Salmon's best NBA game <laughs> does lend some weight to this moment. It like, it makes it more fun because John Salmon's is a great name because you, you remember John Salmon's, but you don't really remember anything specific about him. And so to, for all of us to be like, yeah, man, that was John Salmon's best game. Like that's an interesting wrinkle to add here to the story. Something to think about as we move forward. Um, yeah. I'm seeing now that this is John Salmon's playoff career high. Yes. Where were you when John Salmon's went for 35 <laughs> in the first round of the playoffs? What do you think was John Salmon's highest scoring game? Do you think it was I, this game? Or you know because you just No, left. I don't Whatever. know. I don't know, but I would guess he is under 40. I don't think he had a 40-point game. Oh, this is great. You're absolutely right. John Salmon's career high, 38. The same season against the very same Boston Celtics. He had their number. He had their number. He, <laughs> he knew, man. He knew. You can't fish hook John Salmons in Boston. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Barking up the wrong tree. Uh -uh. You, you mentioned Brad Miller. I know because I followed you for years. I know that you're a giant Brad Miller fan. What I don't know is why is that the case? Why do you like Brad Miller? Please explain that to me. That's just one of the guys I tried to steal basketball moves from. Like Brad Miller, 
for whatever reason, he got the green light to shoot top of the key threes. Yes. He would be allowed to take four or five dribbles up the court after a rebound. <laughs> he could throw a backdoor pass. The guy might even be open sometimes. <laughs> so for me, I saw a big guy out there who was actually handling the ball a little, playing from the perimeter while still being one of the taller guys out there. That was interesting. That was a, a Vladi Divac of Indiana, basically. Right. <laughs> so he gets to Chicago. I was like, this might be my guy. I knew he had an and one tattoo on his leg. Is I used true? to have the shirts. Oh, yeah. He's got the faceless guy on his leg somewhere. <laughs> you know it. Yeah. He's wearing a headband. Like, he's just, he fit my vibe perfectly and continues to to this day. I, I really appreciate I really appreciate that being authentic and not just uh, just purely a joke. I really appreciate that that's authentic. <laughs> um what let's see how well you know Brad Miller is this 23 point masterpiece from Brad Miller <laughs> is that Brad Miller's high scoring game from his career? No chance. No chance. The guy was a back-to-back all-star. <laughs> is that true? I think Brad Miller is the first player to make an all-star team in different conferences and back-to-back seasons. Is That's that... going to need a fact check, but I think it's true. <laughs> well, you're going to have to go on a show where they have a staff and people who care about looking up and confirming that stuff. That's amazing. If you had said to me, was Brad Miller ever an all-star? I would have said 100% no. And that's, I don't mean that as an insult. I just would have guessed no way. See, Neil, this is why I had to choose him as a guy to steal game from. There weren't a lot of great centers right. in the early 2000s, You're but right. he made it, I think, as a pacer and then as a king. He kind of like got there at the, at the end of the Kings whipping the ball around era, and he was a pretty solid passer, so he fit in nice. Uh, yeah, two-time All-Star. Brad Miller, undrafted as well. He was like one of the better undrafted players out there You're until right. Ben Wallace became a Hall of Famer. That would be fascinating to put that team together of the best undrafted NBA players of all time. Where did Brad Miller go to college? Purdue Boilermaker. Oh, of course he did. I mean, this is per- of course <laughs> yeah. he did. This is perfect. He looks like the I goddamn mascot. Played, I'm pretty sure he played with Brian Cardinal. Oh, yeah. oh like, come on. <laughs> that's the most Purdue team you could have. <laughs> Those two lummoxes. Uh, you're, you answered the question absolutely correct. Brad Miller's career high was he played for the Kings February 2nd, 2005, scored 38. He was 14 of 22, one for three from deep, nine of 12 from free throw line, 17 boards, four assists, four steals, and two blocks. 38, 17, 4, 4, and 2. Kings beat the Warriors in OT. Is that amazing? That's incredible. If uh, I were doing a podcast about that game, I would call it a near five by five. He's not actually (laughs) that close in the deeper categories, but you can blow it up a little bit that way. I agree. 38 and 17. That's a, that's a great game. Who, who take a guess. This is just for fun. This is not a sanctioned part of the first ballot podcast right now. This is just for fun. Who do you believe that night? I was, as I was looking up the box score, who do you believe was the second highest score that night for the Sacramento Kings? Brad Miller was number one, 38 points. This is 2005. Who do you believe was the second highest scorer for that game? Pedro Stojakovic? No. Mm. That's I, your, my no, next guess would you, be no, you Bobby don't get to, Jackson. No, it's a great guess, but you, that's, you're not allowed to officially guess the second time, so we'll strike Fair. that from the record. The, the answer is, I actually didn't write it down the answer, but I think I remember. <laughs> I think I remember... And I think uh, this has to be the answer because I would have only asked this question because I wanted to say this guy's name. I believe the answer is Darius Sangaila. 
Oh. <laughs> is that could that be? <laughs> he was definitely a king at some point. Darius Sangaila, great a great name. I appreciate you, Darius Sangaila. Thanks for playing in the NBA, so I can say your name. However many twenty years later, um, uh, the the other guy I want to mention here, uh, Ray Allen. Ray Allen, great game, fifty one points. We talked about this in almost sixty minutes. Eighteen of thirty two, nine of eight from deep. Uh, Ray Allen for me was the guy that I never wanted to see the ball in his hands at the end of a game if he's playing my team, if he's playing my my beloved Lakers. I never wanted to see the ball in Ray Allen's hands. Who is that guy for you when they're playing the Bulls? The guy for me when they're playing the Bulls currently or the guy that they're playing? Of all time, all time. LeBron is the guy that I don't want to see. I don't want to see him on the court against the Bulls because you know it's an L. You know it's an L right away. The Bulls had a chance in 2011. Yeah. One game one. And then LeBron switched on to Derrick Rose, and the series was over. So it didn't even really matter about the last shot so much as seeing who was there for the opening tip-off. Yeah. Uh, He definitely owned the Eastern Conference, and the Bulls were kind of first on the list of teams that he owned in that era. Yeah, that's a a great point. Uh, more, More stats, more analytics, more numbers from this. A lot of great numbers here. Chicago beats the Celtics in this game, game six, 128-127. But this was a wild series, and this is what I didn't really remember. I remember this play as Trey brought it up. I remembered it happening, but I didn't remember the context. Game one goes to overtime. Bulls win 105-103. Paul Pierce missed a free throw in regulation that would have ended the game and then had a layup blocked in overtime. I like Paul Pierce failing. Game two, the Celtics win... 118 to 115 on a Ray Allen three pointer with two seconds left. Chicago wins game four, 121 118 in overtime. That's the second overtime game. Ray Allen hit a three to tie the game in regulation. Ben Gordon hits a three to send the game to a double OT before John Salmons eventually ices the game at the free throw line. Game five also goes to overtime. That's the second overtime game. Celtics win that 106 104. Pierce made a 15 footer with 10 seconds left to send the game to extra time. And then made a 19-footer with three and a half seconds left to win the game. And then, of course, this game six, our, our famous game six here. Brad Miller layup ties the game. Pierce missed what would have been the game winner. John Salmons ties the game in the first OT. Pierce misses the game winner again in the first OT. Ray Allen's three with seven seconds left sends the game to a third overtime. The Noah Steele and dunk and some Brad Miller free throws ice it. The Bulls do go on to lose game seven, 109-99. I wonder if that will hurt this moment's chances. A great moment, a great dunk, but the Bulls end up losing in Game 7 and nothing becomes of this. This is also the first round. And also, KG's not playing. Are those things going to – are those negatives your thoughts here, Trey? Yeah, I was wondering when we were going to get around to the part that you hadn't mentioned Kevin Garnett's name at all. (laughs) Definitely a huge strike uh, against the historical relevance of this series. I mean, KG injured right before coming into the playoffs, despite the Celtics being uh, the defending champions. KG, at the very least, the heart and soul defensively for the Celtics. You could argue Pierce maybe offensively, but KG instrumental to the team. That being said, even though he wasn't playing, I feel like Kevin Garnett had a huge impact on this series from the sideline. There are famously memed photos of him (laughs) screaming at the top of his lungs in street clothes as Ben Gordon (laughs) just runs back down the court. There had been noise about uh, interactions between Kevin Garnett and Joachim Noah going back to Noah's rookie year, the pre- 
the previous season where Noah had grown up as a huge Kevin Garnett fan. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin Garnett dunked on him and said, fuck you, Joaquin <laughs> Noah. <laughs> and instantly popped the balloon of fandom, setting off a rivalry between these two trash talkers. Uh, so yeah, Garnett wasn't actually playing on the court, but outside of uh, a Rondo ghost flagrant foul that should have been called in game five, Kevin Garnett was the number one villain in this series for sure. <laughs> I love it. I love it when people, fans, real fans, hold on to moments like that forever. I appreciate you bringing up that fan call. The Celtics go on to, they win this first round. They then go on to lose to the Orlando Magic, who then go on to lose to the Los Angeles Lakers, who win the NBA championship in this season. I just want to mention that it's not a big deal. It doesn't really have relevance here. I do want to mention it. I'm not the biggest Laker fan. I am the best Laker fan. Uh, the next category, the next credential is our eye test. What do you see in the footage, Trey Kirby, as you rewatch this moment? What do you see in the footage that might give this thing that extra added oomph to put it in the Hall of Fame? The one thing that really stuck out to me watching this back in preparation that I think could push it over the edge is that as soon as Noah dunks on Paul Pierce and it's Pierce's sixth foul, we mm-hmm. get a little bit of the reaction from the dunk of <laughs> Noah screaming. Right. We get a little bit of disappointed Paul Pierce, but then it's a hard cut to Doc Rivers on the sideline <laughs> yes. for the Celtics, hands on his knees, yes. looking incredibly distraught, knowing that this is the tide-turning play of the game. <laughs> but man, that's not showing much confidence in your team to turn to your coach and the guys doubled over on the sidelines. <laughs> we ain't coming back from this one, says Doc. You're exactly right. I never really thought about that because you're right. I, in a very superficial way, look at the same thing and go, how funny is that, that this guy is truly doubled over <laughs> right at the waist, bent over. It looks like he's going to vomit like hands on ease. Like he is really sick. And that's all I see. I see how funny the image is. I think of him as a Celtics coach being crushed in this moment, and I just enjoy it. But you're absolutely right. The guys three feet away from him are probably looking at him like, hey, the game's not over, pal. <laughs> There's still time on the clock. Uh, you know, <laughs> Noah still has to go to the line to shoot a free throw, and he's yes. not the most reliable guy. <laughs> but no. Doc is Doc is done. He's done. Uh, I do. You mentioned it. I really enjoy how um, pathetic Paul Pierce's run is trying to catch Joakim Noah on the breakaway. I, if you really watch the play, and again, if you haven't seen the moment, go to our Instagram at first ballot HOF. It's all there. I really enjoy watching Paul Pierce try to run hard to catch this guy that's stolen the ball from him. I love watching him pathetically try to catch this guy. Obviously, I have a lot of water under the bridge with Paul Pierce. He killed my team. Uh, He's a Celtic, so I uh, hate him uh, forever. Uh, But it made me realize as I rewatched this moment, I can't think of many times where I saw Paul Pierce really physically exert himself. (laughs) he definitely looks like he's running as hard as he ever has yes yes he's not going very fast no getting outran by a seven footer (laughs) with the ball with the ball if you rewatch this moment look at him and realize what trey just said 
This is a man running at top speed. He doesn't look like he's running at top speed. Like you don't really see it in his body and his locomotion, but you know, he's trying to get there. It's just like, he can't get the speed up. It's very funny to watch him just fail in that moment. And again, I'm, I'm uh, in fairness, I'm prone to hate Paul Pierce. Uh, the other thing that I noticed in watching this rookie, Derek Rose, it's so much fun to watch that like electric kinetic, like bouncing all over the place, jumping to throw passes, diving into the lane, you know, hanging in the air for an extra second, that sort of, um, young Derek Rose pre-injury Derek Rose's was really something else to watch. Was it not pre-injury Derek Rose? And this is even pre MVP coming into his own Derek yes. Rose, but it's incredible. I think he had 36 and 11 or something mm -hmm. around that in his uh, playoff debut. And it was really his coming out party. He was the rookie of the year that season. He was the number one draft pick after the bulls hit the lottery with incredibly long odds to actually get a hometown pick uh, who ended up living up to the hype for yes. a little bit. Yes. Uh, yeah. Watching young Derrick Rose highlights. That's the way to consume Derrick Rose in my book. It really is. And and I now look at Derrick Rose and I feel like Derrick Rose taught me something about basketball. I now watch players. And anytime I see a player do something with their body that I've never sort of seen before or is very, very rare, instead of going, and this is terrible that I'm saying this, but it's the truth. I, instead of going wow, that was amazing. I go, oh, that's not going to last. Th that's how I see Derrick Rose. I watch him, you watch young Derrick Rose and you go, the human body isn't supposed to do that. So as you see it and you're blown away, it's because bodies don't do that. They can't handle that torque. And I think the same thing about Zion. When I watch him play, I go, the reason I've not seen anyone do this before or look like this or have that sort of power is because you're not supposed to be able to do it. I feel bad, but that's how I feel about both of them. I just feel like enjoy it while you can. It ain't going to last. Derrick Rose made me hate seeing players land on the ground. Yes. Him and Dwayne Wade, like the way that they would land, at least Wade eventually learned kind of like right. the role right. and, you know, like go with your body sort of thing. But uh, with Rose, it became of every time he would land on the ground from one of these leaps, it, it just felt a little scary. Yeah. Like you're saying, you're not supposed to be able to generate that much force that quickly. He was nasty as hell. And by the way, you're talking to a guy that now has to support Anthony Davis. So I completely get it. Um, do you remember the um, foul when Rondo throws Kirk Heinrich into the scores table during this game? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rondo. Okay. So for me, Rondo already a villain, but he, this really cemented his villainhood in Chicago. I mentioned it briefly at the end of game five, Brad Miller is going to the hoop. And Rondo clubs Brad Miller in the face from behind. They go to the scorer's table. They're doing reviews. This is in 2009, though. So it ain't a flagrant foul. Right. It's just a play on. It's just right. a shooting play foul. <laughs> My man Brad goes to the line looking woozy as a Saturday night. <laughs> Got to go try and make two free throws to win the game after getting punched in the face. Are you kidding me? So Rondo already had massive strikes against right. uh, him going into this game. And then the tossing of Kirk Heinrich, you know, <laughs> Captain Kirk, as Bulls fans called him. They would they'd run Kirk Heinrich out there this season if they could. He's such a fan favorite. To see him get tossed into the scorer's table by the 
guy you hate on the other team. <laughs> it was over for Rondo in Chicago at that point. Rondo really yanks on his arm and really <laughs> he pulls him into the scorer's table. And it's very the impact that he makes with that scorer's table is very funny. You can see like the the scorer's table kind of bow, and you can see Kirk Heinrich's Kirk Heinrich's body sort of flex against from the impact it's a very like again as a non-bulls non-celtics fan to watch a player slam a guy so hard into the scores table it really made me chuckle and then kirk heinrich does this like amazing perfectly timed like hey i'm really mad and i'm gonna fight you and he's bouncing on his toes but no one's standing in front of him no one's keeping away from rondo but he's acting like they're completely there and it's just a very funny scene that's, uh, that's, again, not exactly this moment, but I do appreciate it from this game. I like to think that that is the moment that make Kirk Heinrich start accessorizing like crazy. Like after that, <laughs> he had neoprene on his arms right. and his legs. He's wearing goggles. The guy's got a shooting shirt on underneath his jersey. 100% protection at all times. Yeah, so that's brilliant. Uh, ball, can we talk a little bit about your career? Ball don't lie. Basketball Jones on the score, the starters, now the athletic and no dunks. Has there been a time in any of those jobs, in any of those uh, um, ventures, that has been the most fun? What has been the most fun part of your career so far? The single most fun night that I've ever had doing any sort of basketball media was Game 7 2016, uh, uh, that finals. Because not only was it awesome to be in the arena right. to see – you know, the Amazing. iconic game yeah. of this generation, really. Sure. I got to go into the locker room afterwards Amazing. and interview basically everybody who was Ugh. in the Cavs locker room celebrating. Uh, the crazy part was that they knew who I was from mm, having the amazing. show on. Good that was the you. that was the coolest thing about NBA TV is that NBA teams mm -hmm. always have it on at the yeah, arena. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they recognize me. They're shouting out our show. After, like Kyrie Irving's hit the biggest shot of his career. Yes. One of the biggest shots of the past 20 years. He's like, I love your show. I'm like, why do you even care about my show right, right now? But like, <laughs> that was a special night. Um, awesome. And it made even more special for me because – it's all on camera and I can watch oh, it, man. watch it back oh, and relive so it. Great. What a, what a, what a family photo album that'll be uh, as your kids grow up. You've, you've interviewed a lot of players. I watched a, I didn't, I didn't remember you doing um, sideline reporting, but you interviewed James Harden after a game who, which player has been your favorite interview and why? I was most excited when Jimmy Butler came by the studio. Right. Uh, Oddly, now when I think back on it, it was the 2017 season. He had just finished up with the Bulls. Mm. He was going into his contract year the next year. They did trade him, but I was still excited because he was a Bull when he came in. <laughs> right. And he was charming. You know, so they charismatic. say very charismatic. Jimmy knows how to play the media game, so he's trying mm -hmm. to charm you. So he's <laughs> one of them. And Dwayne Wade is another guy that I've loved talking to. In the past, he's just a Chicago legend. He's a yeah. guy who, to me, kind of carried on the lineage of mm -hmm. Michael Jordan, the way mm -hmm. he played attacking the rim. Uh, so to get to meet him at the end of his career, once he started coming around Turner and stuff, was really, really awesome. Uh, no dunks, no bunts, no breaks. The No Dunks Incorporated line of podcasts that you guys do. No Breaks is your F1 pod that you do with Graydon Gordian is you've had on. Great guy, first ballot uh, voting committee member. How did you get into F1? Do you have a favorite team driver? I got into F1 because of Graydon Gordian, 100%. Is that true? Between him and Netflix's Drive to yes. Survive, yep. 
I was sold. So uh, Skeets, one of the co-hosts on No Dunks as well, he and his wife were big fans of Drive to Survive, as was Graydon. They recommended it to us. My wife and I started watching it. Loved the series. But then Graydon is actually a Formula One fan and was knowledgeable and he was tuning in to watch the races regardless yes so when we wanted to start watching the races as well he was excited because he's like finally somebody who is interested in this um too so yeah he helped get us into that he will answer any dumb question i have and he's pretty good at explaining it and now knowing that he's on the committee i'm feeling pretty good about uh this this moment we're talking (laughs) about here drive to survive is a really fascinating um entertainment entity because it literally is the reason i mean obviously f1's a gigantic sport globally but i feel like that did so much for u.s consumption of the sport completely responsible for me following the sport 100 percent. never watched never cared never paid attention to f1 at all before that series and now i make i check it every week and it's something you know if i'm up early enough i'll watch it uh, but i a fascinating that a television show spurred that sort of interest in a sports league. I wonder what that will mean for the future and shows like it. Um, Your longevity, all of you guys, all of the, you know, again, I sort of think of you guys as the basketball Jones, uh, despite all of your, your many uh, career successes. You're the basketball Jones guys, your longevity in this business. Honestly, your longevity in any business, let alone the media business, let alone basketball media business that's changed so much over the last decade or so, it's it's insane to think about to what do you all owe your longevity and your lasting success to? We like to try new things and we like to stay uncomfortable and we like to stay one step ahead. So whatever is the thing is yeah. what we're going to try and be the best at. It, we were early to podcasting back before right. people didn't really know what podcasting was. No clue. But Skeets and Tass and JD took a risk and started a show. That's how I found out about it and eventually yep. hooked up with them once they started doing video stuff. Yep. It had to be early to that, but it's kind of funny to think back now. When we were starting the video shows, you couldn't upload a video longer than 15 minutes to YouTube. So everything right. had to live on Vimeo. <laughs> Shout out to Vimeo, the video sharing service for the real creators out there. A little bit better video quality back in the day. Now, YouTube is the place to be. But we turned it into a video show. When we did a TV show, we tried to make the most entertaining TV show and a podcast alongside. Now we're focused mostly on our video show and our podcast as well. We just like to keep our ear to the ground and keep our finger on the pulse, whatever you want to call it, to know what people are doing and what is the next wave. And we are always willing to at least give it a shot and see how we can best maximize whatever the new thing is. I had no idea what podcast I learned. I heard the word podcast first because of the basketball Jones did not know what it was and sort of uh, had to learn what it, what they were uh, through, through, through the basketball Jones. Uh, The next credential here is the ear test. What did you hear during this call? Did you hear anything in the, in the game that might uh, add something might add uh, that extra uh, kick? Let's listen to the play together. It's Pierce. Simmons fights through a screen. No one acted away. Galloping with Pierce. And Paul Pierce has just fallen out of the game. And Joe Kim Noah has just given the Chicago Bulls a two-point lead. 
with his eighth point tonight with a quick defensive play at the other end. How about the speed of the big man? Paul Pierce, you see Joe Kim Noah get a passing lane. Paul Pierce should have let this go. I mean, he knows he's got five fouls. You cannot defend that play. He is now out of the game. I mean, Paul Pierce has got to let that go. How about the speed, though, of Joe Kim Noah, the concentration? What a play. Your thoughts there, Trey? Two things stick out to me right away. Number one, this might be the loudest the United Center has been since 1998. Oh, great. I don't know exactly if it is, but right. the crowd pop is insane, <laughs> especially considering, you know, these people have been there probably four and a half hours at yeah. this point. This is a three <laughs> overtime game. Uh, so they went obviously insane. They know the game is over. Uh, that's awesome. That to me is uh, the first thing that sticks out. The second is that this is Kevin Harlan, I believe, yes. on the call. Yep. yep. And he says, Noah galloping alongside yes. Paul Pierce. <laughs> that is the way to describe it. It really is. Because for as much as we're talking about Paul Pierce struggling running, yes. he is in minute 50 of a playoff game. He's going to be a little slow, as is Noah. And yes. Noah has taken the biggest longest, longest strides yes. out there they look hilarious running <laughs> alongside each other they really do that's fantastic i had the exact same thing written down galloping a perfectly <laughs> apt word here uh just perfect it's it really a lot of fun to watch the two of them run uh, i am a little surprised harlan doesn't go nuts after the dunk like it, it made me think did this guy like spill a soda on his table like why did he not go full kevin harlan right after uh, noah punched it that's a good point. He actually is pretty sedate for Kevin Harlan. For Kevin Harlan, yes. Maybe he's letting the crowd do the talking. Uh, hey, maybe. The The other thing I heard, a good tonk sound. <laughs> I, like the little, I like the little tonk sound effect that the breakaway springs make in that little box at the base of the hoop. I love any time a shot goes through and hits that box and you hear that like tonk. I love it. Anytime there's a hard dunk and you hear that sound, let's listen to the tonk together. Do you hear it there? Funk. I love that sound. We're going to brand that the tonk. I love hoop sounds. Turn those up, NBA. Uh, good tonk sound there. Uh, the last thing, there's a little hit the road jack bleeds in. I find that song to be a little corny, but very satisfying when it's your team and the guy who falls out is your sworn enemy like Paul Pierce. Then it's a lot of fun to hear everyone start singing Hit the Road Jack because Paul Pierce has to leave the game. Uh, the next credential is You Mad. Rob, play my camera on clip here. Wait, wait. Mad, you mad, you mad. Was anyone mad at this moment? I like it when people are mad. I have Doc Rivers here with in that full bend over, the vomit bend over. He looked absolutely sick. And 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 that's my answer here for you, Matt. Anybody else that you think was mad during this uh during this play? I assume Kevin Garnett was fuming. Yeah. <laughs> they don't show it, but I just have to imagine he's not happy in this moment. Great Paul point. Pierce probably a little relieved, to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah. He's gone 51 minutes. He knows game seven is back in Boston, right. yes. so he has a chance to take care of business. He's probably just exhausted at this point. Needs a little nap ski. So he's more <laughs> relieved than anything, but Doc has to be uh, the maddest one that we can see. Yeah. Uh, the next credential test of time. That's when we compare this moment against other moments like in history. 
I can't think of many like steals and dunks that mattered in a playoff game with these stakes, the overtime, the power forward outrunning the other team's best offensive player. Like the circumstances here are pretty unique. Is there anything like it that you know of? I do have something I want to compare this to, but is there any similar play that you can remember in your basketball fandom that you would want to uh, set this up against? I don't think it compares to even close to the most famous defensive playoff plays that are around right. a bird stole the ball, a Dennis right. Johnson steal LeBron's right. block. Yes. I guess maybe like for just a randomly good defense highlight, you could compare it to LeBron blocking Tiago splitter in a final. Oh, I love that. It was an awesome block. Not one of like the coolest all time playoff plays, but a really awesome thing that happened. And I yes. think that's a, what this moment is as well. I, I really like that. And let me say, I think that's apt because that is a moment that lots of people remember. They talk about the Tiago splitter block. I didn't realize until recently that that block had absolutely nothing to do with the outcome of that game. Like they were up 20 or something at the time, but everyone holds that block as like a big, huge deal to me. This Noah defensive play much better to me, head and shoulders better than that Tiago splitter uh, block. Something to think about here. The moment I want to compare this against when Joe Kim Noah applauds uh, because he's sort of in the middle of that Miami heat <laughs> sort of huddle uh, at the free throw line. You remember the play. You remember this moment, I presume. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Noah clapping at Chris Bosh and another Heat member yelling at Mario Chalmers as they yes. often did. That was just the continuation of Joachim Noah as an instigator, as the Draymond Green of this era of the Chicago Bulls. And that's why I love this moment from Noah so much, because this is really the start of that legacy of his yes. in Chicago. You know, this is his ah, massive playoff moment. Right. The Bulls had had a tough season the year before, kind of unexpectedly, which led to them getting to draft Derrick Rose. Suddenly they're on the upswing. And now it feels like with this dunk, Rose has a real yes. running mate. And this can be a team to be reckoned with going forward. Noah became the heart and soul of those Bulls teams. And it really started with this play. This really put him on the map. Oh, that's interesting. You know, there, when we when I talked to Ernest and we didn't allow in the Derrick Rose bank, he was sort of uh, positioning the moment as this was the last great moment in this title window. It's funny to think about this moment being the foray into this title window. It's it's more pleasant to remember this title window and Derrick Rose having a real chance and the Bulls having a real chance to compete for titles. Than it is to go. This is the this was the last thing that happened before the Bulls sort of vanished again. Um, again, only to be brought back now. They're back now, right? They're back. But uh, it, it's it's fun to think about uh, the beginning of this. That that'll be an interesting thing to weigh here as we're as we're getting close to the finish line. Um, I think Joakim Noah applauding and instigating and egging on everyone yelling at Mario Chalmers might be the greatest moment in Joakim Noah's career for me. Super entertaining, very funny, clearly strategic and smart. There's just, a, there's a warmth and a happiness to that moment in my heart. And as I think about that moment, potentially being better, it does make me go, how many Joakim Noah moments am I going to put into the hall here? If, if 
the applauding at Mario Chalmers, if if instigating that is better. It's, it's a lot to think about. This is a very interesting case. I really appreciate you to, you picking this, Trey. It's tough to compare it to the clapping because that has had such a long shelf yes. life as yes. uh, a response gif, mm-hmm. you know, as mm-hmm. kind of a shorthand for what kind of a player Joachim Noah is. If you're making a career highlights reel of him, the dunks getting in, the clapping is getting in. These are like the two things that Noah is most known for. Yeah. I can't disagree with you though. Uh, probably the most iconic image of Joachim Noah's career is the clapping. <laughs> uh, a lot of pickup highlights on your Instagram before we move on to our next credential. A lot of pickup highlights. Who is your NBA player comp? You can't say Brad Miller. If you were going to say Brad Miller, you can't say Brad Miller. Who's your NBA player comp to your game who plays like Trey Kirby? The last time somebody asked me this, I said Nikola Jokic, and then I felt bad about it because <laughs> it's tough to say you play like a two-time MVP. Right. So just play style. That's what I like to do. Probably a better comparison uh, is Pau Gasol. You know, just an NBA Hall yes. of Famer. Simply a two-time <laughs> champion. Not a big deal. Not a two-time MVP. But basically, I'm just like any other guy who was the tallest guy in their high school. I learned to play inside because I had to. But I wish I could play outside like all the guards having fun. Right. So when I grow up, I got to try and act like Pau Gasol, Brad Miller, or Nikola Jokic. Take your pick. Great answers. Uh, my little Spanish dove, Pau Gasol. Burning questions. Next credential, burning questions. Is this steal and dunk the most memorable moment from this series mind you the celtics win so is this is this the most obviously it's probably the moment that you remember as a bulls fan but if you're not trey kirby is this the most memorable moment from this series that's a that's a tough call this is almost it seems to me like it could be the Mad Men meme where I'm the bulls fan thinking this is the greatest right. moment of the Ooh. 2009 se- season and Celtics fans are Don Draper saying, we don't even think about this series at all. <laughs> they won a championship the previous season. They right. didn't win a championship this season. They right. did go to the finals the next year. So and 2009, probably, yeah, they got beat. <laughs> they did not win the championship. But 2009, Celtics fans probably don't care about this at all. Oof. So That's maybe the fact that Bulls fans care way more about losing yeah. a first round series means this is the most memorable image. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. What a great, what a great way to get there. <laughs> uh, the next category, the next credential, our X factor. Everybody knows what an X factor is. Do you have an X factor? Is there something we've not talked about yet that might add to this moment's greatness? The X factor here to me is Joaquin Noah's ponytail. Yes. <laughs> Later in his career, he switched to a bun or a top knot. He would have it much more uh, underneath uh, underneath the the, the elastic. But in his rookie season, in his second season, he was still letting his ponytail flow long. And it's flowing. He's galloping out there, and it's looking like a horse's mane bouncing behind him. (laughs) He throws it down. I think it adds a little to his celebration as well. So I think that is a slight X factor. You're getting... 
a grander celebration than if he had his hair up in a top knot. A great ad. And this is coming from a guy with fantastic hair, Trey Kirby. A great ad. Also, super long sideburns from Joakim Noah in this, which really was a kind of alarming because they're very long. They're unkempt, but he like he doesn't – it's not like a beard. It's just like kind of long sideburns. It's, you know – it's it's an, it's an interesting look, and it's certainly an X Factor here. I, uh, of course, have as my X Factor. I think this has got to be the most frustrating way for a Celtics fan to watch the Celtics lose a game like this. Triple overtime, to watch a guy that is an irritant like Joakim Noah steal the ball from your best player who you think might be able to win this game for you, steal it from him, and then dunk it on him and follow him out of the game. I, I do like the misery involved here, so that's my X factor. Um, my last question, we're, we're, we're running down here on time. One more question I want to ask you about. What's, you, you do the starters in, in Atlanta for years and years and years. You're in that sort of Turner complex. Studios are all right next to each other. Talent is mingling. What's it like to watch basketball in that green room at Turner? Barkley, Shaq, Kenny, Ernie, Steve Smith, Grant Hill. What's it like to watch a game in that green room with those guys? It's surreal, really, to be sitting alongside the guys that make you that made you want to yes. pursue a career in what you're doing in the right. first place. Right. Um, we were super blessed because the timing of everything is just uh, immaculate. The way that we came into we came into our careers at the same time. There was a boom in the NBA media, all mm -hmm. from the generation mm -hmm. that we had just grown up watching. So, yeah, it was it's crazy to me that, you know, I wore a Grant Hill jersey in my seventh grade yearbook. And then he's coming on our show three or four times a year or that, you know, my kids can call him Uncle Shaq because they've been on FaceTime with him. Oh, my God. Uh, the only thing that's a bummer is anytime I try and show my kids highlights from yeah. these players. Yeah. Why is it so blurry, Dad? <laughs> I'm like, no, that was crystal clear back then. <laughs> we clear. thought it would never get better. <laughs> are you trying when you're when you're in the green room and the Grant Hill walks in? Are you trying to connect with him? Are you trying to get him to like you? Are you just hanging on every word because you're listening to his stories? How do you balance this? And I am asking you this as a man who way overthinks social interaction. Uh, I don't really know. I mean. It depends on the player. It depends on the person because some people like a Charles Barkley, he's coming up and talking to you just because right. he's that oh, outgoing and he's right. going to be the one leading the conversation. A guy like Shaq is in a different level of fame and status than even a Charles Barkley is. Right. right? So he's right. doing stuff while he's in the middle of filming stuff right. while he's on the middle of going to film stuff. <laughs> so that one, you're kind of just a little bit in awe, but uh, for me, you know, Grant Hill, I can't not freak out about Grant Hill and share like something that. of my life about Amazing. it. And I guess the good part about it is in most of the situations we were, we weren't necessarily equals, but we were doing the same thing. So at yeah. least we had an in. That's super cool. And by the way, you talked about you guys entering during this boom in basketball media. I think you guys had a lot to do with that boom. I think you guys proving that podcasts could work and, and, and sort of daily attention from devoted fans and, uh, and people that are becoming experts. I think you guys were part of that boom, which I appreciate uh, as a basketball fan. 
I see the clock is winding down on this tray. It's almost time for the new hit small podcast segment. More important, Trey, do you know more important? Have you heard it on the show? I don't know more important. No problem at all. I prefer it that way. Here we go. Trey Kirby, what do you have to say to people who criticize the NBA and more specifically NBA media for covering the narratives, the 24-hour news cycleness of the NBA, the fights, the scandal, and they take the focus off the game and therefore limit the sport's growth. Are you and the No Dunks guys absolute monoliths in NBA media landscape? Are you at all responsible for the way the league is covered today? What are your thoughts? Maybe, when you put it that way. Oh, I'm so sorry. Nobody cares about that trade. It's time for more important. The music's playing as soon as the buzzer plays. Who gives a shit what you were about to say? It's time to get on some more important questions. These questions are all way more important than whatever you were about to say. And your answers to these questions will define who you are as a human being. Are you prepared for more important? Let's go. The clock is ticking. There's no clock, but it's ticking. So we got to go fast. What is your favorite beverage? Water. Oh, what a coward. I don't like you being a coward and saying something like water. I want you to know I'm holding this against you for the rest of your life. Next question. What is your favorite Halloween candy? Favorite Halloween candy is a Reese's peanut butter cup, but favorite candy you would get at some sort of celebration is fun dip on Valentine's right. Day. Oh, oh, I like that. Go, the so single serving packets. Right. Two tray. Uh, yes. That's, from Candace. I wonder, do kids, do younger kids know about fun dip and the sticks and the powder? That's something to, to talk about. I hope you kids know it. If you don't, go to the store. Next question, we got to go. If you had to pick a favorite NBA fight, I don't want to support violence, but if you had to choose your favorite NBA fist fight, you have to. Who are you picking? MJ and Steve Kerr, Bobby Portis and Nikola Miritich, Draymond Jordan Poole, Rudy T, that's dark. Do you have a favorite NBA fist fight? How about Shaq trying to take Brad Miller's head <laughs> on, but whiffing, thankfully whiffing. That's one of the best misses in NBA history. <laughs> A great answer. Who started the beard first, you or James Harden? I was first. Barely. Wow. Barely. Does he know that you feel that way? I don't think he knows, but he came into the league. He did come into the league with a heavy beard, but not a long beard. I think I went long before he did. Do you think there's a world where, as he's following basketball online, as social media is becoming popular, James Harden is on and he's poking around, he sees this guy from Ball Don't Lie, uh, lots of successful interactions on social media, he sees that he's growing a beard. Do you think there's a world where James Harden stole his beard from you? I don't think so. I would love for that to be the case, but I thought the rumor was that James Harden doesn't have the internet. I remember when that was a (laughs) thing. Is that true? The guy doesn't have the internet. That would be great. Well, that would be very funny. What is, we got to keep going. What is your favorite dunk of all time? Trey Kirby, what's your favorite dunk of all time? Vince Carter putting his elbow in the rim in the 2000 dunk contest. 2000 dunk contest, oh. maybe the pinnacle of dunking. For sure. You know, 2016 dunk contest, also amazing. But the way the 2001 <laughs> went down... Maybe not the most famous of Vince's dunks from that contest, but the one to me that made the least sense 
and you get that same feeling in the arena. Like it happens, he hangs, and it's not the pop from the crowd. It's more of the, huh? What is he? Yes, yes. And then you realize he jumped high enough to hang from the rim from his elbow. A great answer. You nailed it. Which television chef, you have a lot of interaction with Guy Fieri, which television chef do you believe is actually a great cook and not just good at TV? Paul Hollywood. I, I think even, he I must be good. Either. He is one of the hosts of the Great British Bake Off. Oh, right, okay. And I think he's supposed to be pretty legit baking-wise. Like, he's the man when it comes to bread. <laughs> Paul Hollywood, great name. Favorite musical artist you know is a little bit embarrassing to admit? Grateful Dead. The Grateful That's Dead has got to be the one. Yep. You know, Deadheads have been getting dunked on for yep. as long as there have been Deadheads. Yep. And it's still <laughs> happening to the, this very day. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to go see Dead & Company on their last tour of all time. You're, you're, it's a great answer because I'm embarrassed for you. The next credential is our cosign. The, the floor is yours, Trey. Does this moment, the Joaquin Noah steal and dunk, does it belong in the first ballot Hall of Fame? And why? This moment belongs in the first ballot Hall of Fame because this is the most exciting moment in the Chicago Bulls franchise history post-1998. Hope abounds. There's a great rookie in the midst. The next title team in Chicago has been established, and you can see it in this very moment. Going forward, we knew that wouldn't be the case. But for that special night in 2009, it felt like the Bulls could knock off the seven-seed Celtics. It felt like they could make a run to the finals and maybe win it someday. There's no better time to be a fan of a team than when your team is on the upswing and there are still no expectations. This dunk is the Bulls exceeding expectations. It's the birth of a Chicago legend. And for that reason, it needs to be in the first ballot Hall of Fame. What a great answer. Trey Kirby, everybody. I mean, you're seeing the, the full breadth and power of the no dunks talent right here. Uh, a great answer, a great cosign. It's time for the induction speech. That's when I, Neil, your, your host, get to decide whether this thing goes in. I, I, I'm telling you, I keep waffling here. On a lot of these, I, I'm leaning one way or the other. It's It's been a, a few and far between where a guest can change my mind. That said, I didn't have my mind made up coming into this. You have, like Sean Connor before you, have created such a lovely, fun atmosphere on this episode. I feel like that's imbuing my decision here. I want to say yes, because I've enjoyed you, I've appreciated you, and I appreciate this moment on a deeper level. This playoff series is a true blue classic. Kevin Garnett not being in it slants a little bit, but it is a great playoff series. And I think if you make the argument that something from this series has the right to belong in the first ballot Hall of Fame so that we all remember the series, I think that's a good argument. The question is, is this the moment that does that? I think when I asked you that burning question and you answer it, I think you're right. I think it is the moment that stands out because I think Bulls fans remember this play so fondly that even though they lost, this play still holds a vaunted place in Bulls fans' memories. 
particularly modern day Bulls fans because the Bulls were for so long not back. They are now back, but for such a long time they were not back. And so for this play to be the thing that we remember from this incredibly wild series, even though it's from the losing team, gives it that extra special kick. This moment is going into the first ballot Hall of Fame. Congratulations. We did it! To Joe Noah, Paul Pierce, Brad Miller, John Salmons, and Trey Kirby. This thing is in the first ballot Hall of Fame. This to me feels like winning title number seven right now. <laughs> they said it couldn't be done, but we did it. Thank you so much for doing the show. I do, I do think that I just really like you, and I think maybe you slanted me. If I go back and revisit some of these, it might be this one might be first up. I think I just had a good time with you, and you wooed me with your charisma. Either way, I appreciate you doing it. How can people follow you? What can you plug? Uh, you can follow me at Trey Kirby. I could spell it. It's all E's. There's no I's. T-R-E-Y-K-E-R-B-Y. And you can follow all of our podcasting and videos at No Dunks Inc. I-N-C. That's on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Anywhere that you can get basketball content, we will put it in your eyes and ears. I think it's... Uh, I think anyone that's listening to this show probably already listens to you guys. So I apologize if I'm not sending you, if I'm not sending you any business, but I do want to say we have to support guys like this who are going after their dreams, achieving their dreams, doing this lovely thing. He's a lovely guy. Trey, thanks so much for doing the show. I really appreciate it. Neil, thanks for having me on. And thank you so much for putting this moment in. If this turns out to be the Mitch Richmond of the first ballot <laughs> hall of fame, then so be it. <laughs> A Hall of Famer is a Hall of Famer. <laughs> Fantastic. You were great on this episode. Thanks so much for doing it. Thanks, man. That's it. That's the show. My thanks again to Trey Kirby for coming on. It was great to chat with him and check him out on No Dunks. Thanks to the team, Robert Rucci and Jessica Sang. Rhythm J makes the beats. Follow him on social at Rhythm J. My special thanks to Dion at J Tell for telling his followers that the show is a quote, fucking fire pod. I appreciate that sort of specificity. Dion is a good man. I appreciate him helping us. The show keeps growing. Thanks to all of you for listening today, and please come back next week for more First Balance.